Matthew chapter 18, uh, words that we've already heard read from a slightly different version. So this is Matthew 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Young people, please do start on those worksheets now. And they're not to distract you and keep you quiet, by the way. They're to help you engage with what's been said at the front. So hopefully that'll help you listen to these verses as we go through them. The the bell rings, the school bell rings, and you go into class for your final lesson of the day, and it's double geography. It doesn't get much worse than that. And what looked like was going to be a pretty bad time gets much worse because someone in your class cracks a joke in front of everyone at your expense. Everyone laughs. You become the laughing stock for the remaining of the day. You're embarrassed, hurt, and also angry. How about this? You leave your friend's house and you return home. And just when you arrive home, your phone rings. It's your friend again. So you answer the phone, but they don't say anything. You realize that they've rung you by mistake in their pocket. You're about to put it down, but then you hear them talking and they're speaking about you. So you eavesdrop. And you're shocked because you hear them talking really negatively about you, tearing you down. You can't believe what you're hearing. You feel like getting back in your car, going around to their house and giving them a piece of your mind. Or you've got a brand new cordless drill. Someone you know wants to borrow it. You let them have it and it comes back covered in scuffs and scratches. It's really obvious that they've not looked after it at all. Slander, gossip, betrayal, rivalry, being let down, injustice, jealousy, negligence, thoughtlessness, 
We could go on and on thinking about ways that people hurt us. And of course, just because we feel hurt, by the way, doesn't mean someone's wronged us. The measure of my outrage is not an accurate measure of a person's guilt. But being hurt is not unusual. But before, before we start listing off a list of everyone that's wronged us at any time in our life, we must own up to the fact, mustn't we, that we too hurt those around us. Sometimes that's unintentional, but also, sadly, sometimes we do that intentionally. So how relevant God's word is for us this morning for this particular area of life. And this isn't the first time in Matthew's gospel that Matthew records Jesus' words about forgiveness. In fact, in his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, when teaching his disciples how to pray, said, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There we have it. There is a direct link between our sins being forgiven and then us in turn forgiving other people. This parable comes off the back of a question from Peter. Peter wants to know how many times he has to forgive someone. It can get a bit tedious. It can get a bit hard having to forgive someone over and over again when they should learn how to change and be different. And so Peter wants to know, when can I say, that's now enough. I can now put a black mark next to their name. That's it. And it's off the back of this that Jesus tells a parable. And there are two main points this morning. Two main points. Mercy receivers, that's our first point, are mercy givers. Mercy receivers are mercy givers. Or we could put that differently. Those who are forgiven, forgive. The main truth of the parable that Jesus is communicating with everyone who has ears to hear and will listen is that God has forgiven us an astronomical amount. And therefore, the main application is when we understand how much we've been forgiven by the Lord Jesus, by God the Father, then we in turn will be able to forgive other people. So first point, mercy receivers. Verse 35, if you've got a Bible, look at it, is Jesus's right hook. Okay, this is where the rubber hits the road. But verse 35 also helps us to understand who's who in the parable. So verse 35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive, forgive your brother from your heart. So if we've, we've just read the parable. And so when we get to verse 35, that really helps us to understand that the king, well, the king in the parable represents God the Father. The first servant very clearly represents you and me. And then the second servant in the story represents somebody who has wronged you or me. So let's think about this parable. There is a king and the king wishes to settle accounts with his servants. And he's got his ledger book open and he goes down and maybe he starts with the person who's incurred the biggest debt. Well, he finds this guy that owes him 10,000 talents. And this is tricky because most of us didn't carry a load of talents in our pocket 
to church this morning. And so we don't really understand the language of talents. What currency is that? What's the exchange rate? We don't know, etc., etc. Well, let me explain to you. One talent is worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. And if you go on Google, you'll find out that the average laborer earns £150 per day. Okay, so now for some maths to blow our minds. 10,000 talents times 20 years, let's give him two weeks off a year, times 50 weeks a year, he's working five days a week, times five days a week, times 150, the answer, a big number. In blue Peter, Peter style, here's one I prepared earlier. I've already crunched the numbers on a calculator, and the answer is 7.5 billion pounds. And we're not even going to work out his tax bill or anything like that, or payments on account. I'm told, although this is extra biblical, so I've got no way of knowing this for certain, but I've been told, apparently, that was more money than was in circulation in the day when Jesus told this parable. 7.5 billion pounds. Now the question is, what has this guy spent all that money on? 7.5 billion pounds? Come on, what has, he, what has he been doing with this money? And it's not just he owns, owes the money, that's bad, right? But it's about to get really, really bad because his master, the king, wants his money back. So the terms of the loan are about to come to an end and the money has to be repaid. Judgment day has arrived and this man unfortunately pulls out his pockets and he's got nothing to be able to repay this debt and he's going into slavery along with his family and everything else that's important to him for a very long time. And here's the truth of the parable that Jesus wants to get across that we need to face up to and feel the weight of. We are the servant. We are the ones who have racked up 7.5 billion pounds worth of debt to a holy God. God deserves our love, adoration, respect, trust, obedience. And apart from his work in our lives, each and every day, each and every one of us failed to give him what he deserves. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's interesting to think about this word sin, isn't it? Some people think sin is the bad stuff that gets you thrown into prison for. But that's not what the Bible says sin is. Listen to what Paul calls out in people's lives in the book of Romans. You're going through Romans, you've already heard this. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They did not see fit to acknowledge God. So Paul, he calls out loads of other stuff. Of course he does in those opening chapters. But one of the things, one of the sins that he levels against us is just simple failure to acknowledge God and thank him. Failure to honor him. And the wage of that sin is death. Our sin means that you, I, owe God death. And you might think, well, is that really such a big deal? Just the other day, I mean, intuitively, we know this is bad. Just the other day, I was speaking to someone who said to me, Michael, I just feel really hurt right now. Why is that, I asked. He said, because people only ever ring me when they want something. This guy, his children, only ever rang him when they wanted money. That was the only time his kids got on the phone. 
And that, that hurts. That hurt him, really hurt him. And that's not right, is it? And yet, what about us? God has given us everything. He's given us life and breath and everything else. And sometimes we only check in when we want something. That's the only time we speak to him. When we're in a tight corner. That's not the honor and respect that God deserves. That's, that's using God like a genie to get what we want. And it's worse, of course, Romans, Paul writes, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. It's not even just what we fail to do. At times, our actions are evil. We break God's law and we break his heart. Going our own way, pursuing our own kingdom. And just like for the servant, Judgment day is coming. Either we will die and face judgment or the Lord Jesus Christ will return and the statement will come out. And there it will be for everyone to see 7.5 billion pounds worth of debt that we are unable to repay. And unless we get that debt sorted ahead of time, God in his righteous judgment will pronounce justice judgment towards us and we will receive justice which will be forever repaying that debt and the bible gives us pictures like outer darkness a lake of fire weeping and gnashing of teeth those pictures speak of suffering pain isolation ongoing torment a terrifying existence But here comes the shock in the passage. See, the shock, the big shock is not that this guy managed to spend 7.5 billion pounds. That's not the big shock. The big shock is what happens next. And it's in verse 26. Because this guy begs the king to let him off 7.5 billion pounds. And this is what happens. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave his debt. So before we get anywhere near the application that we must forgive others, we must not rush past this. Instead, we must drink in the wonder of this. That we have a God who forgives 7.5 million billion debts. There was once a king who had a very loyal and committed servant who was getting married. And the king said to his servant, I'd love to get you a wedding gift. What would you like? Name it, anything. And the servant thought for a while before he replied. When he did reply, he asked for a lavish and expensive gift that shocked the king. Even for the king, it was a costly gift. Another servant near the king just leant over to the king and whispered in his ear, shall we have this man punished for asking for such a big gift from your majesty? No, was the king's reply. This servant pays me a great compliment for he sees me as both rich and generous. Get the servant what he has requested. In our parable, the servant is in the dust and he just dares. He just just has this thought that just possibly if I just ask, the king might be willing and generous enough to release me from the debt. 
And he finds out that his master is both rich and generous. And this 7.5 billion pound debt is taken off his ledger. It's taken away from his account. He will stand the cost of it himself. The king will. There is a song that contains these words. What love could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Our God is full of mercy. He is full of grace. And he gives people what they do not deserve. By simple faith, he takes our sin away. He forgives us our debt entirely. What a love. But what a cost. See, someone, when when a debt's written off, someone has to pay it, don't they? Someone stands the cost of that debt. If that debt was not paid, then God would not be just. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ who who willingly pays the debt in our place. How did he pay? Well, all we need to do is look to the cross and see Jesus with a thorn-pierced brow, see nails piercing his hands and feet. And all we need to do is listen to that terrifying, horrific cry of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Son was forsaken by God the Father as the Father took payment, payment for your sin debt, my sin debt from Jesus in our place. Jesus, although he was rich with no sin debt, became poor by paying our sin debt on the cross so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. And friends, we are never done needing to hear this good news of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. The other day, I was doing some DIY in the bathroom, which included an angle grinder. I think you know where this story is going. Cutting into a brick with an angle grinder in a bathroom is a messy, messy job. And it wasn't long before everything was covered in fine red brick dust. I thought, boy, I'm going to be in trouble soon. Let's go and find a bucket and some water and a cloth. And I went round wiping and dipping the cloth in the bucket. And soon the water in the bucket was filthy. It taken away the bulk of the mess, but it was still filthy in the bathroom. You could see all the streaks now. So I had to go and tip the water away and get a new cloth and start all over and again. And the more I wiped, the more I could see the dirt. And just when I thought I'd finished, I saw a ledge that was just thick with brick dust. Hadn't even touched it. And as I was thinking about that, maybe it was the brick dust going to my brain a little bit, but I was thinking, isn't that a little bit what the Christian life is like? Do we not need to hear the wonder of the cross each and every day? Because we are never done, are we? Of course, in God's sight, that debt is paid. We are righteous in his sight. We are perfect. And yet our ongoing fight against sin is never done. And we think we've got everything clean. All the the tiles are clean again. And then we just spot another layer of dirt. 
and it hurts and we run back to the cross again, thankful, grateful that Jesus has paid it all. The preciousness of the death of the Lord Jesus who pays it all, past, present and future. If you're in Christ this morning, you are a mercy receiver. You have been forgiven. But, second short point, mercy receivers then become mercy givers. Those who have been forgiven then forgive. So we know the story. The forgiven servant meets out, and this is, this is getting confusing, two people called servant, but we'll go with it. We have this first servant who leaves the king, and he bumps into his servant who owes him a bit of money. It's a hundred denarii. <clears throat> now, a denarius, ready for the maths again, is one day's work for a laborer. Remember, we used 150 pounds as the average wage for a laborer. So 150, this is a bit easier, 150 pounds times 100, 100 denarii, 100 days laboring. This guy owes 15 grand. 15 grand is not a small amount of money. Well, certainly not to me. 15,000 pounds is a lot of money. And this man cannot repay him 15 grand. He just doesn't have it. And so servant number one throws servant number two into prison. And the king finds out, and the king's furious. Why? The man that was owed 15 grand was the man he'd forgiven, and he was unwilling to forgive his servant 15,000 pounds. We must see the point of this. 15,000 pounds is not an incidental amount of money. Jesus is not saying the hurt that people cause us is, is insignificant and isn't costly and isn't painful. But in comparison to 7.5 billion, 15,000 pounds is a drop in a bucket. So it's not that it's not insignificant. Yes, it hurts. But compared to what we've been forgiven, it is a tiny drop. And so the point is clear. When people wrong us in this life, and some people can really hurt us, those closest to us, people we don't even know, a whole range of folk. When people wrong us, 15,000 pounds is a lot, but compared to how much God, we have wronged God, it is a drop in the bucket. So we need to remember, whenever somebody hurts us, we must remember how much we have offended God. When we are wrestling with all the emotions in our heart of forgiveness, we must remember what Jesus has given us freely. And then we are called to go and do likewise. Our willingness to forgive other people is proof, a test, a litmus test that we've truly understood the cross. We've truly understood our own hearts. We've truly understood our own offense. We've truly understood God's mercy to us. And so this morning, it's all worth us asking the question, who is it that I need to forgive? Am I feeling constrained by the grace of God to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt me? Our time is gone. We need to wrap up. And we'll wrap up with a closing illustration. I think this illustration is from Martin Lloyd-Jones, but I, that may be wrong. But this illustration comes at a time um, when you had to 
pay for your letters on receiving them. What great times they must have been. Send a letter and the other guy pays for it. Amazing. Anyway, a man returns to his home and is greeted by a friend. And his friend says to him, I've paid a debt for you. How would you respond to that? Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on the size of the debt that your friend has repaid. If your friend has paid a few pence on the postage, then I guess a thank you will do. But if your friend has repaid your mortgage, or if your friend has paid a debt for you that you could never dream of repaying, then a thank you seems a little bit insignificant. Not quite enough. The only right response then would be, to, would be to fall on your knees and kiss the feet of the man who repaid the debt that you could never pay. Jesus has paid it all. The right response is for us to fall on our knees and kiss his feet in worship and then to rise up and forgive others as we have been forgiven. Let's stand together and sing God Feet.